Edward Maradona, man. How you been? What's going on? Been really good. Uh, just working, you know, getting into my fitness at the moment. Um, been running. That's a new thing for me. <laughs> running. Okay. So what got you into running then? I don't know. It's like something like, you know, I'm trying, I'm training to be in the Olympics. That's kind of like how breakdowns on breaking is now part of the sport. Yeah, so the Olympics for 2024. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of excited and I kind of like got me kind of motivated to get back into it. Um, I've been MIA since 2000, maybe 13, 2014, since I started Cabernet Noir, my business. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I've been passionate about. Um, dancing It's like, you know, doing it since i was 16 15. wow um and now it's been the olympics i'm like oh there's a good chance to be an olympian did you <laughs> see that coming i honestly did not see that coming i think it's phenomenal that they can actually have break dancing in the olympics because people there was a little bit of criticism when it first came out but then i thought to myself do you, have you actually been to a break dancing um like what w- w- break dancing show and they have dance battles and then you actually look at what they can do it's actually phenomenal it's very very similar to what you see well, people the doing. whole thing the argument is between like you know the the creators because basically breaking was created by kids in the new york you know in the 70s um late 60s through early 80s so you imagine you creating something and then it, it started off as an expression as a culture as a lifestyle and then someone takes it away from you and like you know what we gotta make a sport out of it oh, okay. so it's kind of like if you the originator of skating or surfing and then now it's like competition you get points you do this 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 you lose the essence of the dance and the culture mm. because you know back then it's all about how well you dress how well you dance how well you present yourself on the floor how can you win the crowd but now it becomes a sport like the dance elements are gone or slowly dissipating but the kids can't relate to the hip-hop culture in the 70s 80s 90s 2000s right so we're in a new age now where all the kids seeing are the tricks and the moves on youtube um on tiktok and they they want to emulate that for me, it's like, I'm fine with it. It's getting exposure, but it's more about educating the young generation, the culture behind it and the history behind it, rather than just doing moves, because that's what differentiates us from the gymnasts. Well, I'm super, super happy that, that that's actually getting brought, brought into the culture, because nowadays everything's technology. Kids are getting obsessed with phones and computers. Why can't they get outside? Why can't why are their kids afraid to get hurt? I'd say dancing is just as equally... It's good, if not greater, then I'm always telling kid, people to get their kids involved in martial arts because they're going to get hurt. They know what it's like to fail. They know what it's like to, mm-hmm. you know, put so much effort into something. You know, and that's the best. But uh, I've got to say, that was a killer way to open this up, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I honestly had a list of things I wanted to ask you. Hopefully I don't have mm-hmm. to, uh, we can just like freestyle this whole thing. I wanted to really, really uh, get to know, like, what is your background, man? For someone such as yourself, we've only met each other for like 10 minutes and you've yep. already told me all these insane, crazy things you're doing. So I want to know, like, I feel what's like the I've story? lived maybe four lives at this stage now. Like, this is my fourth chapter, fourth fourth life that I'm I'm living in. Okay, okay. Um, started off as an immigrant, came here when I was ten, couldn't speak English, and that was kind of like a challenge for me growing up in high school and primary school and high school in Australia. Huge culture shock, mm-hmm. and we're like, "What is this? I want to go back home." But then there's a lot of war going on back then, and we there's no chance we can go back. Wow. So that was like my youth. Just learning a little bit about um, the culture, even just like, you know what, having to learn English for me was the hardest thing. Like that was like first step, right? If you don't, like I see it, um, immigrant kids get teased and bullied at school because they couldn't speak. And that was for me like, all right, I need to be able to speak English. And I just like hours and hours practicing in front of me, like pronouncing things properly. You know what I mean? That, that was a challenge. 
and then going to uni, studied film video. Oh, what did you, what uni did you go to? I went to ECU. Oh, nice. And what did you study? Uh, film video and multimedia. I had a double major. Oh, wow. And it's because I didn't know what to do, right? I was like, at high school, I finished high school. What do you want to do? You're a kid, 17. Yeah. And parents just like, you just got to go to uni. That was like a normal thing. It, it is definitely pushed upon kids. I mean... Because look, when you're 17, 16, 16, 17, hell, even 18, you don't know what the fuck you're Man, doing. Man, I still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still dabbling in like little things now. You know, I want to try this, I want to try this. When you're 17, you just, man, you haven't lived enough, you haven't traveled, you don't know what you want to do. Yeah. But I remember my, one of my um, my friends, he's like, he's older than me. Um, he's like, look, you should do film. I did film, it's fun. Mm. Oh, I like fun. Um, and I see all my, my school friends going to like law, medicine, and yeah. And that's like six years, seven years, eight years <clears throat> of just like drilling and, and studying. And I'm like, I don't want to live that. So I did film whilst I was dancing. So I started dancing when I was 16. Okay. So what got you into that? A girl. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to impress this girl. Wow. <laughs> At the time I was just like like little alternative kid listening to like Blink-182 and Offspring nice. and all that, right? And then this girl came along. She's Canadian. And she's like, oh, I want to... Um, and I was like, I want to impress this girl. And she was hell into hip hop. And I was like, oh, what's hip hop? Mm. <laughs> so I'll oh, listen to this. Listen to, you know, um, Erica Badu. I'm like, oh, who the fuck is Erica Badu? I'm mm. like, all right, listen to Nas. Listen to like, and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I remember watching, um, uh, it was Run DMC music video clip. It's uh, like that. I was like, oh, two crews battling. I'm like, holy fuck. If I can do this, I can impress her. That was like <laughs> my 16 year old mindset kicking in. And I'm like, and I told her, I want to learn how to break dance. And she's like, next week, I met again. And she's like, oh, look, I found this flyer, like, at Live, this clothing store. And I looked in the flyer. Oh, sick. It's a, it's a break dance workshop. Went in there, saw the teacher um, from Germany. He was killing. He was doing his move called Air Flares. And I'm like, holy fuck. In six years. Because he said, oh, yeah, I've been dancing for six years. And I'm like, in six years, I can be like him. Mm. Um, he was insane. So, and then, like, met people there, met new friends. Um, and we started just dancing on the park, just kind of following these kids around. Mm-hmm. What are you training? Oh, Central Park. Always training at Forest Chase on the bridge. Like, come down. And just a bunch of kids there. Um, and then you see, like, the, the older guys already, like, you know, in the scene since the 80s. They're, like, in the 90s. They kind of hold the, the jam. And then you start from the outside, like, looking in, slowly getting immersed in that culture. Before you know it, you get so obsessed with this dance. And I completely forgot about the girl. I was like, man, I just want to practice. I remember going my doing my T um, uh, exam, and I just want to leave so I can go to practice. I was just like, right, just rush the exam. Right, I'm done. Boom, and just left, going straight straight to practice. Um, I was so obsessed with it, and that was like my life in you know, um, like late teens, early twenties. I was just traveling around the world, competing um, until. I got the chance to compete in this Red Bull BC1 Australia. And no that's way. when I won. 2013, I won the Australian Red Bull BC1. And that's when I was traveling around the world, competing against the best um, in the world. Fuck. And that was like my experience, going to TV shows. So you think and dance, got to dance. Um, that was really cool. Get to meet like Kelly Rowland, Jason Drulo, you know, like, this is like, it's so hard to find these footages now because that was like 2013, 14. Sure, it's it out there on, somewhere, you know. You know. That was like pre-YouTube. Like nowadays you can, we find like little snippets on YouTube. Okay. But back then, someone surely had the footage need to come and bring it back out. But there'll be some legal issues. I don't know. So that was really, really cool. Um, and I still love traveling and meeting new people. And that was kind of like, you know, everywhere you go, if you're a B-boy, B-boy is the, the right term of, you know, 
um, saying breakdancers. Breakdancers mm. is the media term. So we say b-boys and b-girls, right? Okay. So when I say b-boying, b-girl, or breaking, that, that means breakdancing. So when we used to travel around to like um, Europe and um, New York, if you dress like a b-boy, they just know you. Like, oh, you guys b-boys? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we b-boys. Um, we're from Australia. You coming with us straight away? We're making new friends and like you know, just chilling with them, all not partying. And um, we would same thing. We go to Miami. Oh, you guys b-boys? You hanging up with us? Everywhere you go, Europe. Oh, you guys b-boys? You hanging up with us? And just like such a little tight community, and I love that. that um, so that was like my twenty, just doing that um, until. You know, I got sick of it. I was like, man, I'm not making any money. Wow. Um, so there was, there was no, no money? No money. I mean, wow. the teaching, but it's just so exhausting and taxing in your body, teaching True. and choreographing and, and you're only getting paid like 70 bucks an hour or 100 bucks an hour doing shows. Like at night, you only get 100, 150 bucks an hour uh, for, for the show. And, and it's like late. The show goes from like 2 o'clock, 1 mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning. We're just like, man, we're so tired. By the time you're kids, like, man, it's cool. We're on stage. We're dancing for like, you know big artists and stuff like that, like we're opening for these big shows. Um, but then there's no money. It's not like you're making 60 grand a year. Um, wow. I was hardly making 30, 20 grand a year just on dance. Um, wow. So what were you doing then to supplement everything? I was working at Foot Locker, retail, and that's kind of how I got into like sneakers wow. and fashion. Oh, so you hustled, um, you must have hustled big time. Yeah, big. I was like, I was hustling that, like working up in a Foot Locker and, and then you know, like saving money so we can travel to Europe, to America, to Asia. And that was kind of thing. We work, save enough. All right, we got money, we're traveling, we're competing, boom. All right, save money, we're competing. What's next? All right, we're going to Europe. Um, and that was like our life, you know, we're just so normal. Like, what's the next jam? Like, let's go to the next jam. So we're not saving any money. We're just like always broke kids um, traveling around the world. But that was like fun, you know, that was for us like the biggest freedom. Okay, so, and then you said you stopped in, did you say 2013? After that Rebel BC one, I was judging and I was like, you know what, time to like make a career out of yeah. what I'm doing. So I got the opportunity, save enough to open my own shop called Cabinet Noir, means yeah. black room. And that's the start of my next life. Okay. My next chapter. That's when I opened a lot of like, other doors and, um, you know, because like we're, we're then like the cool shop just in Perth and it looks like this store just, it looks like a big store from Japan, US or Europe. It's just um, such a sick boutique. We won WA Design Award for our space, bringing international brands that no one had before. And, and then I start traveling to Paris, Milan, Japan, bringing all these cool international brands. And we're still doing that. He was still doing that till this day. Wow. Um, so if you don't mind me uh, like saying that, this brand that you have right now, is the inspiration behind it, like the sort of clothes that you sort of create, is it drawing inspiration from like the B-Boy or... Or is this something else? A little bit of that, but also I got to be mindful that like not everyone dressed like us. Nah, nah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? So we're like, well, I mean, judging by, I, I mean, personally, I'm not really much of a clothes, 90% of the stuff I wear is either gym clothes or my work clothes. So when I look at the, the stuff that you have, I'm like, wow, that's not something that I've ever seen before. So I was thinking, that's why I just thought I'd ask like. It's something that like, when I got into myself into like the fashion game, so I never say I'm, I studied fashion or anything. I just kind of fell into it. I just <laughs> fell in love with it. It's fun. Um, got me new opportunities. So I see it like my new scene from like the dance. I treat it like the same way I was as I was when I was traveling through dance. And now I'm traveling through fashion, meeting new people and seeing new circle. And I'm like seeing, man, like, these guys are really inspiring the way they dress and the way they're trying to like push their own scene from different cities. So I want to do the same thing. Well, I want to inspire the kids um, 
to kind of like express themselves through fashion because fa- like it, it's insane how powerful fashion is. I see a lot of kids who used to get bullied at school, mm. right, for being called names and this is this, but being different. Mm. Now they're like they're they're flourishing into these little peacocks, right? They yeah. just don't care. They don't give a fuck what kid like other cool kids are um, saying anymore. They're just doing them. You know, and, and that's what we love about fashion. It really communicates. Like the way I, like that person dressed, I'm like, ah, that's one of us. The way he or she dressed, ah, that's one of us. It's like a way to communicate, to kind of express. And that's what I love about it. And that's what I want to create our brand, like a, like a community where you feel safe being a part of this community. Because, hey, welcome to this bubble. You know that bubble that you used to get bullied and picked on? No, don't worry about them. They want to be part of us now. But you're inside, you're safe with us. Uh, you know okay. what I mean? That's how I, I kind of see fashion, um, especially what we're doing here. This contemporary fashion thing, people can't relate to, you know, us wearing some wacky shit. Mm. Like you know what I mean? Like, the, like they, they look at us. Oh, he's a bit bizarre. Like he <laughs> dressed, you know, some person. Like I said, oh, that guy's wearing a skirt and a heel, I'm like with like crazy chains. I'm like, that's crazy. So um, how did you come up with the name then? So Cabernet Noir, I remember writing down a bunch of names. I was like, all right, wrote um. Um, six foot, whatever, like six <laughs> feet, and like cactus, a thousand needles, or like, and there's running bunch of names, and I want like a, a name that screams high end luxury, kind of like Illuminati vibe, where people don't know about it, but then it's kind of like, ooh, the mysterious, exclusive kind of um, vibe, and then two words stood out: the society and the cabinet, right? And I was like, oh, but so, obviously they both are taken. <laughs> They're like the most generic names, and then. What about the Cabinet Society? And then there's actually a business called the Cabinet Society. Oh, not going to work. And I remember in my film days, um, French noir, film noir was my favorite genre at okay. the time. Um, film noir, just everything's black and white. It's all about using shadows to create mood, like all the detective movie. If you look at Batman, the original Batman was actually a noir genre. Um, the way Tim Burton directs the movie was exactly like the, the French noir, film noir direction. So the way they use the lighting and the shadows to kind of create, you know, vibe. And that was like very, um, how Tim Burton was kind of like inspired by. So I like the name Noir, it means black. So I'm like, mm, Cabernet Noir, I typed it up on, on Google. Boom, what it means, black room in French. It's where um, they used to open suspicious letters before it gets passed on to the recipient. So it's this hidden movement. Nice. It's a hidden office that like no one knows about, but then like it's necessary. It's necessary in the whole movement side of thing. So they work in the shadow, and I'm, I love that. Very Illuminati. Um, bang, Cabernet Noir. That's the name. It just oh, wow, wow. So and, and that and it's kind of like how we we see ourselves now. Even now, it's like we're we're working under the shadow to create this movement. We're still very niche, you know. But like not a lot of like people know about us. We're not mainstream, but you need this movement to make it work. Okay, okay. And what year did this come around? Like 2013. 2013. So, you, oh, wow. So, you've been doing this for nearly a decade now. Mm-hmm. So, along all that, okay, you get your name now down. So, what was it like the first few years in the business? Because I'm assuming that whenever you start anything for the first time, the first few years can always be quite the most difficult. Would you agree? Man, I was like nuclear block and I was so excited. I was telling all my friends that own stores, I'm, hey, guys, like, we're, I'm opening a store too. Like, you know. And the reaction that I got instead of like, oh man, I'm so happy for you. They're like, oh, oh, is that right? <laughs> Do you know, I'm like, oh, that's funny. I thought it'd be like more supportive. That reaction was like really hit me. Mm. And I was like, oh, what? And that's when I started learning about the politics of retail or businesses in general, right? Um, and, and people's egos and stuff. And, and then I learned the hard way. They're like, oh, I'm trying to get particular brands for the shop. And then those guys would block me from getting those brands. Wow. Um, and I'm like, all right. 
And you know what? I couldn't get this. And that was like, that really crushed me. I was like, man, so excited, trying to get all these brands, trying to be like, do the same thing because I look up to these guys. And now these guys trying to crush me and like burn me down for just me trying to be like them. It's, you know, it's just really heartbreaking, right? Yes. Now, let me ask you just real quick. Were you close to those people? When yeah, yeah, I was part of their crew. It's it's interesting that you put that, brought that up because I was actually having a conversation with one of my clients the other day. She's trying to start her own, uh, what is it? It's like a health health line or health, like, um, so almost like a clothing line for herself, like, you know, activewear, that sort of stuff. And she was telling me about the experiences that she had. Like, if she told a random stranger up the street, they'd be like, oh, they'll get interested and they'd be like that. And then she was, uh, and then she said, but if I told a friend, like someone really close, she's like, oh, oh yeah, that's cool. And, and it happens again. So, like when I'm opening, because I'm opening cafe, right? And yeah. I go to this cafe all the time, became real good friends. Okay. And I told all the cafe owners all around my business, my, my shop, hey, I'm opening cafe. They're like, oh man, let me help you. And then the ones that I consider as friends, they're like, they're hating me for the next two, three weeks because I'm, dude, yeah. I, I get a, a different, like you said, different reaction, a better reaction from my colleagues my, that I don't consider as friends, but they're like my neighbors than my actual friends. So why do you think that is? That Why do you think that strangers support people more? It's an ego thing, I think, as well. Really? Do you know what I mean? I think it's like when people have a lot of ego, it's like, what? You're trying to like, <sighs> man, it's all about ego. You know what I mean? That's the same thing with when we started, um, the shop and and those guys um, trying to like bring us down and because they've had the monopoly in Perth for so long, mm-hmm. when they see us like oh new kids that you're trying to you're trying to take it down you want you're trying to be like us you know that's the ego coming subconsciously right, um, so then they're not gonna be happy having another rival they're com- they were comfortable sitting at the top mm. and I was like new kids I'm like what the hell is this you, you see it so many times in history, um, do you know what I mean back in the days like even in in politics right. Like, oh. it, it's crazy. So once that happened then, like, from the time you started to the time you got the shop, what was like, uh, was there like a moment where you thought to yourself, like, you know what, this is this is as fucking real as it gets. This is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to put all the energy into it. Was it like an event that really, like, during your time, during the struggle, was like, no, what, I'm going to fucking do this? Yeah, so like, like I said, I was crushed, right, because my friend who actually worked for this particular brand that I wanted to get, and it's like before we open the shop, I've already paid for design and start doing construction. It's like Eddie, I got bad news, bro. We can't give you the account. We can't get the means. We can't give you the brand oh. because we're being blocked by those guys saying no. Eddie and his store can't have the same brand as we are because okay. we've had um, relationship with you before. So I'm like, and that crushed me. I'm like, oh fuck! Like if I don't have this brand, then the shop won't have the same. Um, credential or German because this is one of the top brands. Um, so I just sat on it and I'm like, fuck it, do I, what, I, what do I do? That's the end of the world. I'm like, actually, no, it's not the end of the world. I'm just gonna keep doing it. That's when I start traveling to Japan. That's when I start traveling to Paris. And then I was networking with those, with the brands in Paris and Japan, making new friends. Hey guys, I'm this store from, from Australia, from Perth. Um, I'm interested in your brand. Would, we're able to carry a brand in Perth, and they're just like, "Oh, we don't have any anyone in Perth carrying our brand." Yeah, you know what? Let's let's talk. Mm. And from there, we got this brand in, and then from that brand, we got another brand. Oh, you carry that brand? All right, we want to sit next to the brand. Um, and then before you know it, we get like the, all the most exclusive brand, like Commodore Garçon, even Off White. That we were the first store to bring Off White in into Australia. 
Okay. Um, um, for someone who doesn't know anything about off white, what what what, what about him? Off white was one of the most um, sought after brands at the time. Okay. Because of Virgil Blow, Kanye West. Oh, okay. Um, so these are the brands that like. You know, and Virgil recently passed away, which is insane. He was the head of Louis Vuitton as well. So Virgil single-handedly changed the whole luxury fashion scene. Um, and he had a brand called Off-White. He started Off-White. And to get that brand was insanely hard. And I was the first one to to, to actually meet those guys from Off-White. I brought these crazy international brands. And that elevated our name. And then I'll see the next year everyone started coming to Perth, uh, to Paris because they're like, oh shit, Eddie's like, suddenly our store no longer behind. Now our store's like leading in Australia. We're like the, the you know, forefront of like emerging design brands. Wow. And they, they start following my footsteps. And now you have a lot of Australian designers, like a, a lot of Australian buyers and business owners doing Paris Fashion Week in Milan. Back then it was only a few of us. So that was like a new thing for me. Um, but, you, you know, I'm still learning in the industry. Like I said, I had no background in it. Um, zero experience in running a brand or a, a like a, a business, mm-hmm. so I didn't know anything about you know profit and losses and all that stuff. I just like I want to buy you know cool brand and sell it, and, mm. uh, and and had the most basic breakdown of like if I buy this, I sell this, I get this profit. But I didn't you know wasn't really thinking about marketing expenses, overheads, um, this and this and this and this margin, like how much margin should I put into this each product. These are the things that you learn as you go. Yeah, I think that's very, very important. And the other thing is that when you have done it for this long, what I tell everyone, especially people if they're like trying to start something like a podcast, trying to start something like a bit in a business in general, or even a skill, I always say slow success builds, no, sorry, slow success will make you humble. Quick success will make you egotistical. And like now that you've done this for nearly a decade, that's, Sort of goes where it shows into fruition. Now, based on all this experience you have, you know, going to Paris, going to Japan, going to (laughs) other places that you said you've been to. So now that you've got all this knowledge in your head, what's the thought process that goes through before you say, okay, the next t shirt's going to look like this or jeans is going to look like this? Like, so, like, my thought process has always been like, you know what, Cabin Noir is going to be the best brand out of Australia. And that was like the thing. There's a lot of streetwear brands coming out of Australia, like skate brands, surf brands, streetwear mm. brands. But in terms of like a brand that's regarded as a luxury fashion or designer fashion, I can only name maybe one or two in Australia, right? Okay. And they're not even in the same realm or the same demographic that we're trying to target because we're trying to target, you know, different demographics to those guys. Um, and, and we've had that mission the last year and a bit, only just recently we signed an agency with an agency based in, in London because we want to create more than just a t-shirt, mm. more than just crew neck or hoodies. We want to expand into collections. We want to be one day, um, you know what? I told my team um, a couple of weeks ago, all right guys, 2023, we're going to Paris. We're going to do showroom. We're going to do showroom there. We're going to do fashion show there. Um, that's our goal, right? To, to do fashion show and to be within the fashion calendar in Paris Fashion Week or even create our own fashion week in Perth. This is something that we're, we're talking and discussing at the moment, one of the big projects that we actually want to take on board, um, Revive Fashion Week, and essentially making Perth is the fashion capital of Australia. Because didn't Fashion Week, I remember Fashion Week used to be a thing here in Perth. It was a Perth Fashion Festival at the time, That's right. right. The is Tel- it still Shop around? Why nope. is it not still around? Because they ran it to the ground, and there's a lot of politics and bullshit in there, mm. and 
um, the people didn't know what they were doing, the people don't really care about the scene, and it was more about for them. Um, yeah, just a lot of things went wrong. Okay. And there was a lot of money too, like for, for sponsor, sponsor money, and like, you know. Um, so that's the thing, I want to revive it, and, and we had a lot of potential. Okay. And, uh, and we were a beautiful city, we had a lot of resources here as well. It's a blank canvas. Um, I look at like um, Sydney Fashion Week and Melbourne Fashion Week. They're just not up par, up standard to where I wanted to take it. Okay. Um, I think, you know, with I have enough friends and, and network now all around the world to kind of like help me build Perth. Okay. I can go to, hey, so-and-so brand from Italy, do you want to do a show in Perth? And I'm like, yeah, cool, done. Hey, so-and-so from the US, do you want to do a show in Perth? Yeah, cool, done. Um, so that's something that we're, we're still strategizing and, and planning. It's all about, you know, but we need resources. We need funding. We need sponsors' money. Mm. We need teams, right? These are the things that I'm, like, you know, really considering um, and we're putting together into the proposal. Um, so hopefully by next year we can launch it. Okay, so that's that's what we're trying to do for next year. For hopefully. Hopefully. Crossed, if the borders are open and we can actually bring people in. Yeah. Because um, it's going to increase tourism for sure. I can guarantee people are going to start flying from Asia, from Europe, from U.S., um, and Perth's gonna be the spot for fashion. Did um, COVID uh, affect the business at all? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it affects so everybody. Yeah, so how did you combat that whole thing then? Well, we're, we're lucky enough, our business not to, like relying too much on traffic flow. Okay. Right, we've got online. Um, some people can't make it city, or during a lockdown, people just buying things online. Of course, of course. Um, mm. But then you have businesses like cafes, you can't do that. Yeah. Mm. Like, Right now in the city, they you know made a third of maybe two third of the office people stay at home. That's like thousands and thousands of people not coming in to buy coffees. Do you know what I mean? For a coffee shop, you need to make say four hundred, five hundred coffees a day mm. just to kind of pay wages and pay rent. And you divide it between everyone else, man. It's hard. It's hard even for us. Like man, we see it. If the city is ghost town, and the mandate's not helping anyone. And oh. so. Uh, Without getting too p- political, obviously, it's not really. I mean, when it comes to COVID, everyone has their own opinions that would respect that. So, uh, and now that the the mandates are coming to play, what what's your stance on the whole thing? We can just talk about that a little bit. Um, my stance is, you know, like be safe, keep safe, mm-hmm. but the mandates, you know, for us as uh, as a business owner, it's hurting a lot of people. And I'm hearing mm-hmm. business couldn't survive the next two months if the mandate keeps going like this. Mm-hmm. Right, because they're losing not just ten percent, twenty percent. They're losing like seventy percent, eighty percent. I mean, these are big numbers. Even fifty percent is huge. Forty percent is huge. You know, at the time when it was, we were down, like the whole industry was down thirty, forty percent. It was huge. Mm. Um, you know, I have friends in festivals. You couldn't even do festivals. You know, like because you couldn't get the artists and they have to cancel. Yeah. Um, and the building stages are not cheap. Um, yeah. you know, that's like a million dollars up front. Yeah, there's a lot of events period that got cancelled like um obviously because on this podcast i love to talk to fighters a lot the perf event that goes around is called eternal mm. um maybe you heard yeah, of it yeah, yeah, yeah. Of they were meant to have an event here in february at the end of february but the issue is of course the mandates and all that and they can't schedule it enough so they've had to move everything over to gold coast yeah uh so that sucks for perf because perf just lost out on a big opportunity right there so either either way i mean uh, hopefully something gets settled soon it's just when the whole thing, because obviously everyone wanted the borders to be open, everyone thought that 
we would have been ready because it would have been nearly two years since we had our first lockdown or since coronavirus since first yep. hit Perth. So that is what it is. Man, but it's crazy, man. It just you know we just kind of like have to work around it and and whatever mandate keeps changing, whatever rules keeps changing, we just have to kind of you know like constantly um, be flexible, like evolve around it. You know what I mean? So everyone's in the same boat now just the rules keep changing right what, what game are we playing now are we playing monopoly or playing chess like what are we playing it's like keeps changing right? i was like now you have to do triple back like, tri what what's going on <laughs> no one no one even knows i don't watch news i don't watch tv so i don't i don't follow it right i'm like oh you have to yeah. mask on i'm like what's since when like it was on the news i'm like bro i don't find out about that yeah um, so that's that obviously just wanted to hear your thought but now there's one really important thing i really wanted to dive into this podcast uh and it will remember because I'd follow you for quite some time on Instagram, which is, you do really well on that stuff, by the way. <laughs> but there was one video that you made that really, really resonated with me because it's something I'm always trying to sort of preach to everyone else, and that's the power of visualization. And I think I remember. And let me tell you something about this. Go ahead, it's please. crazy. And I'm like, it's stupid that people don't, only my close friends kind of like believe it, right? Because they're around me all the time. They're like, man, I don't even think it's cuckoo anymore. You know, back then they were like, right, let me tell you something. This is how I manifested everything. So I remember reading a book. Oh, no, I didn't read a book. I watched the movie The Secret. Oh, it's a movie now? Well, it was started as a movie, and then the book came out after the movie. Really? Yeah. I thought it was a book first. No, no, it's the movie first. Wow, okay. Yeah. okay. And because and Rhonda Byrne, um, she was a movie, like, like uh, you know, and I watched the, the back um, the background story of how she started getting to this movie, this, this. But it started off as a, as a movie, then a book. And, and a lot of people say the book is more thorough, Okay. Um, I haven't read it yet. I'm I've read it. I haven't really? seen the movie though. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. quite dyslexic when it comes to reading. I'm like, <laughs> how do I read? <laughs> I'm reading so slowly. Um, so I read it and I was, I watched the movie and I'm like, damn, you know what? Maybe it could work. So I start putting, um, like, you know, in, in the movies, like, oh, if you don't believe it, like visualize your car park every morning, right? And and if you believe you're going to have that car park, and have it. And I'm like, one day I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of funny. And then put the car that you want on, on the wall. I'm like, put it on the wall. And I end up buying that car the same year. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Took it down. And I start putting shit on my wall. I'm like, stop like taking it down because I keep manifesting it. I'm like, this is crazy. I maybe it's like it's getting too easy, right? Let's let's try to visualize something a little bit harder to uh, to um to reach. Okay. To achieve. Okay. And the big ones, I wrote big ones. Um I wrote big ones. I, I wrote, I want to be on TV. I had no idea how to be on TV. That same year I got into So You Think and Dance. To dance channel 10 uh, uh, that's easy oh, i want to be on sneaker freaker magazine that was like my favorite magazine growing up um and from the shop i think 2014 15 we got featured on sneaker freaker magazine i'm like wow, that's crazy i want to be on hype beast but well, same year we got on hype beast um feature i'm like oh this is getting ridiculous <laughs> and i wrote something really crazy i'll make a million dollars when i turn 28 and opened the shop when i was 27 and the next year we made $1.2 million. No way. And I was like, fuck, I should have put half a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. like, that's where I fuck up, right? I'm like, ah, oh, shit. But everything, even like the girlfriend that I wanted, I was like, visualize, oh, this type of girlfriend that I want. Boom, manifest straight away. Um, And it's crazy. Like you, it, you're really putting it out there, but you, you kind of like forget about it. Like you just put out, ask the universe, yeah, pop, visualize it. And you, you already think you have it. Um, and then you manifest it. It's the easiest thing to do, and I don't know why people are not doing it. But mm. with that, also comes with the negative because what you visualize negative things, like it will also come to you. 
So you got to be really, really careful what you think about. If you think about, oh my God, I'm, oh man, bills keep coming in. Well, you're going to get fucking bills if you keep complaining about life. Well, guess what? You're attracting that. So now I'm like brainwashing things. I have to watch what I say because I'll manifest. You manifest a lot, things a lot stronger when you say that loud. Yeah. 10 times stronger. Your vibration is different. I believe that when you think something is one thing, but when you say it, that's another. For Say, for example, if you think, oh, I'm going to make $200 this week, that's okay. But if you say to yourself, I'm going to make X amount this week, nine times out of 10, you know, you will probably make it. Obviously, yeah. there's a week. But when you say something or write it down, mm. it's almost like your bar- your brain has a very non-conscious way yeah. of processing it. Subconscious mind is strongest, right? But yeah. then you also say, you know, sometimes when you say things out loud and you don't believe it, and you, go, you have this little hunch. Yeah. For example, if you're doing fighting, I want to be UFC ch- champion. And you go, Ooh, can I do it? You have this kind of like subconscious mind kind of dragging you back. Like, oh, maybe I can't. That's when you, you need to change that. But the people who, who became the world champion, they know they're going to be world champion. Mm-hmm. Do you know they're deep inside. Them. You know what? It's easy. They might, they had, I'm going to be the best ever. Mm-hmm. So like I do every morning where I, I do my, my chants. Do you know what I mean? Like, if people hear my chant in the morning when I'm doing my run and walk, they'll be like, what the fuck? Is that, like, your way of how you manifest it? Is it? Do you have, like, a little process? Like, do you write it down? Do you say it to I yourself? I do a bunch or, of stuff, okay. man. Like, I, not just one thing. I, I used to, not journal, I would script. script. Scripting is different to journal, journaling. Okay. Explain that to me because I'm a big fan of journaling and do it daily. Okay, like, script, like, journaling, more like what you journal your life, you know, like, kind of like diary, right? Okay. But scripting is, like, you write things that you want in the present tense. For example, you want this big mansion. I'll be like, I love how my three floor concrete mansion <laughs> with the rooftop garden, you know, <laughs> makes me feel when I walk in, like the coziness is unreal. I love going upstairs to the top floor and meditate and watch the sunset go down. And I love like seeing my Lamborghinis downstairs in the basement light up when I have put the lights on and it makes me feel good. And I love riding along the coast on my black Lamborghini while people look at me, you know what I mean? Like give me attention from driving this car. And I feel like so, and like I'm, I'm grateful that I'm, you know, I, I'm so fit at my age and I'm like, I can do this, this, this. And so you write the things that you want, but in a, in a more like creative, more creative thing, right? You're trying to create a story about it. Um, because when you're writing that, it makes you feel good and okay. you start visualizing it. And, and that's what gives you that vibration to the universe so you can manifest it back quickly. And that's the difference between journaling and, and just basically just write things that you want. Okay. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like your ideal life. What, what is, what's your ideal life would look like? Um, wow. That's what scripting is. Interesting. I've never actually, I've never even heard that phrase before because personally how I have always journaled, this is something I've been doing uh, for the past, since just before Christmas. Have you ever, obviously, in terms of reading, have you ever heard of an author called Ryan Holiday? Ryan Holiday, I've heard, I've watched a little bit of Ryan Holiday. Yeah, on he's YouTube. on YouTube as yep. well. He puts yep. so much. He owns a bookstore. Mm. He's like the modern day stoic, and he wrote a and book. And he's got like ego is the his enemy. I'm actually reading Correct. that at the moment. Oh, yep. phenomenal book. Yep. I've read all Easy his stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's a book he wrote. I think you'll really, really like it as well. It's called 300 The Daily Stoic: 365 Meditations and Stories. Mm. Each day is literally like a little quote from a. From you know, that's like Marcus release meditation. Yeah, his Instagram handle on that, right? Correct. Yes, yeah. he does the same thing on Instagram. Yeah. So every day, a little practice that I do, and what I tell everyone is get if you don't know what to write about, find a quote and write down what you think mm. it means, and write down how you think it applies to your life. Yep. So, for example, the one quote would be, uh, I think it was what was today's. Um, you could leave life right now. So let that 
to pick to t- determine what you do and say something along those lines the idea that you know we're gonna we're gonna die one day and if you find out you were gonna die today what were you gonna do what were you gonna say what actions would you take and that's something to write down and really think about it but once you've written it and you thought about it that's a task done for today but that's how you're gonna set your whole day up and the energy you're gonna set for the whole day so the reason why i like the and journaling is because it's almost like a mindset switch mm-hmm. for the rest of the day uh, so was how did you come across the idea of scripting? Was it introduced to you? I watched on YouTube. I think it was like this guy Eric Ho that I, I was following for a bit. Now he became like Master Shriya Kasham. <laughs> he just changed his name and like, and now he's getting like talking about some other thing that I cannot relate to anymore. Mm-hmm. But back then when it was Eric Ho, he was like a lot more relatable and because um, about law of attraction and and I love that. You know, I was like cool. Um, but also I watched a lot of Abraham Hicks and I learned a lot of Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn was like, to me, it's like my biggest mentor. He's, he, those of you who don't know Jim Rohn, he's Tony Robbins' mentor. He's one of the best maybe motivational speakers ever lived, in my opinion, out of everyone like Les Brown, um, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, and all that. I think Jim Rohn, to me, was the best. I just can relate to him. He would say funny shit like, um, don't major on minor things. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you know, that's kind of funny because I'll... I do a lot of minor things like drinking and partying and stuff yeah, like that. Don't yeah. major in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do a little bit of that. Mm. Don't focus on that. Focus on the major things. What are big goals? Um, and he would talk about life is seasons. You know, life's like seasons. Like you go, okay. oh, life's like seasons. Like Frank Sinatra would say, meaning, you know, you got to be prepared for your summer and your winter, right? You can either freeze to death in winter or you can have fun. You can snowboard, ski in winter when, if you're prepared enough. Um, same thing with, you know, spring and summer, you have to reap what you sow. Like, you know, you put in this much, then you're going to reap what you sow. So a lot of people complain about the market collapsing, for example, or the economy is collapsing, the bubble's bursting. So it's like complaining about winter because they're not prepared for winter, but the market always goes in cycle. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, oh, yes, you get unpredictable storms here and there, but you know, you would expect that's coming every year or every second year, right? So if you prepare enough, then you will live life like more comfortably and the more you want it. And Jim Rohn to me was just like mind blowing the way he thinks. And I love that. Even like Tony Robbins, who's probably the best, you know, to a lot of people, the best speakers ever. Um, he always quotes Jim Rohn. It's like his original mentor and always talks about Jim Rohn. Mm. Um, but yeah, going back to the law of attraction, like to me, I, I just start manifesting things so easily like now, like opening the shop. And for example, I wanted a cafe and then suddenly my friends, hey bro, I've got this cafe. I lost my head brisket. Do you want to run it with me? I'm like, oh, cool. Let's do that. Hey, um, so and so, I want to, you know, like even winning the, the, the Red Bull BC one. I was like, one day I was, I want to be the best dancer in Australia. I don't know, I was gonna do it. I wasn't practicing practicing much. And then 2013, when I won that Red Bull BC one, I was like, holy shit, I didn't expect this. Um, only when you're expecting things, when you ask, like, that's a, the thing that people got wrong is they keep asking universe, like for example, they want money, right? Mm. Hey, I want money. I want money. Universe, give me money. Give me mm. money. Give money. You know what they're saying to me? They're saying subconsciously you don't have money. Mm-hmm. You know, like if people don't have an abundant mindset, people who is abundant, they're not asking for money because they're comfortable. The rich people don't ask for money. They just come to them naturally. Yeah. Right? So yeah. the more you ask, the more you're creating resistance to the universe. That's when you're going to cha- like change your channel because now you're not in sync. Your vibration is not in sync with the universe. Yeah. I also tell people well, you've got to be incredibly careful what you ask for. Um, because the law of attraction, one thing I remember reading an essay on is with it comes a, a certain amount of suffering. And let's say, for example, if you ask for money, okay, you ask for a million dollars, 
you have to then be willing to put up the suffering that comes with having that much money whenever it means on the long way, you know, things like taxes or things like, you know, friends will look at you differently. People will judge you differently. You may lose people and all that for the pursuit of what you want. Mm. So that's why I say, you know, don't, I ask, whenever I have a new client in the gym, they want their goal. They come to me. Okay, so I want to lose weight. Okay, I want to get in shape. I want to put on some muscle. I uh, One thing I say is what are you willing to suffer for? Are you willing to get up at 5 a.m.? Are you willing to get off early a little bit from work? Are you willing to get rid of a couple of friends because you don't want to go out drinking yep. on the weekend? And that, once you start asking yourself these deep questions, do I really, really want this? That's when you really, really start to understand, um, you know, how, what it is you're asking for. So... Um, that's there's something it's that's like, I remember like I think one of Jimmy Ryan's quotes man if you want to be a champion then you gotta start acting like a champion mm, champion yeah. don't drink that champion is disciplined champions wake up every morning you know you want to be number one then you have to behave like number one mm. um, you know a lot of people just like oh like this is what they they got the, the whole um, movie The Secret wrong where you go oh man visualize without putting work bro putting work is the obvious thing yeah do you know what I mean it's the obvious thing it's not gonna happen to you mm. But like, you know, you see as a magnet, right? If I'm just sitting, if, if the magnet is just sitting in the same spot, it's not going to magnetize, it's not going to attract anything, but it has to move around. Then it's going to attract all the things. Like for me, all my opportunities come from me moving around, like meeting someone like you. Mm. This is going to like open up another door. This is going to attract something else. This is going to, like, you know what I mean? Like, so to me, like doing as many things you can, you know, putting a lot of work, that to me is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Making your magnet stronger, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, people just think, oh, what, sitting down and visualizing will, will make it happen? No, it's not. Because you're not attracting anything. Um, if, you, if you're manifesting it so strongly, then probably you can. <laughs> you could probably win $20 million if you like. You're so good at what you're doing manifesting. Um, but yeah, a lot of people just got it wrong. Um, and, and it frustrates me. Wow. Okay. So let's get into um, the, the, what we're talking about right now, the idea of mindset manifesting. I, you brought up that you won the uh, B-Boy um, Championship in 2013. Mm. I want to know, what was your mindset, mindset like back then? Do you know what's so funny? It's like I wasn't meant to win. Okay. And I wasn't even meant to enter. Okay. And I was hungover that morning. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so this is the funny thing, right? We traveled to Sydney to support my friend who organized this event. And he a bunch of us um, boys from Perth. Yeah, we're flying. Everybody food, we party and we dance. And at the time I was in training, um... I was just like, my skill is like, I was training, but the way I dance is quite different. Only a few people understand why I dance, right? And and like, I wasn't athletic like a lot of these other b-boys can spin 20 million times in the elbows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember going into the competition and, and I was still one of the best at the time. And then the organizer, Eddie, just enter. I want you to enter because I need to make a good top 16 out of like 100 people, right? They want to narrow it down to 16. So I went to the prelims. I qualify, obviously, top 16. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll do it. I'm still hungover. <laughs> and I remember, like, battling this guy first round, like, one of the best from New Zealand. I'm like, oh, fuck. No chance I'm going to win against his name, Lee Rock. Like, no chance I'm going to win against Lee Rock. He's, like, so dynamic. can do, like, all the crazy gymnastic moves, flips, and all that stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do all my best moves first round. Nothing to lose, right? At least I'm going to go down strong. Well, did all my best moves. And then the judges went, Oh, all voted for me. I'm like, oh. Wow. Okay, so first round, I won. Second round, I was battling the best guy in um, in Melbourne. He was like doing a lot of footwork to the thing on the ground. And I was like, oh, 
I, that's my specialty. You know, so that's going to be a good uh, challenge for me to battle him on my own strength. Um, and I did all my best footwork moves, all three judges. Boom. And I'm like, oh, shit. Now I ran out of moves. <laughs> like, I don't have any more moves. Like, I used it all up in the second round. Um, so that was like top 16, top eight. Now I'm in a semifinal. Uh, yeah, semifinal. No, quarterfinal. Um, no, I was in the semi. So I'm in the semi against. So the, in a competition, they flew down this guy who was the best at, uh, in Europe at the time and this guy who was the best in Asia at the time. So the whole premise is they're trying to put him on each side of the the. Um, Tony Robbins, right? Uh, sorry, the ro- uh, brackets. The top seed, the brackets. Yeah. So they can go up into the battle in the final, and I was just like in the middle there. So I ended up going boom, battling the guy from Europe, and one of the judges actually on the same crew as him, right? And this judge is the biggest, the best judge in the world. His his name is Paul One, one of my mentors as well. Um, and I remember battling. Um, Blanca, this guy, B-Boy Blanca, he's crazy, right? One of the best in the world still. Um, and I go, holy fuck, I have no moves. I have no chance. But you know what? I'm just going to have fun. Bum, 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 doing my flavor stuff, you know, like doing my character stuff. And everyone went, boom, draw, draw. And Poe won, the judge that's in the same team voted for me. Bang. So now I'm in the final. I'm like, what? <laughs> How the fuck did I get you still here? still over. I was, oh, by this time, I just, I just don't care anymore. Right? I'm like... And I was just having the best time. Like, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I just flew over here for fun. Um, and in a battle against this guy, B-Boy Blonde. He's very famous from uh, Korea. He's famous for doing, like, the one-handed, like, elbow spin. They can spin 17, 17 20 rounds. And he hasn't used it up. Um, he hasn't used that move until, you know. So I knew he was going to use it against me. I'm like, oh, shit, he's got that one big weapon left. I don't have any moves left. And it came out, boom, second round, boom, 17 like, rounds of elbow spin. Everyone went nuts. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? So you know what? I'm going to do character shit. I'm going to make fun of them. And I just do moonwalk and doing like flavor stuff. And it was like a dream. Like everything just went so quickly. And I'm like, they announced three, two, one. And we got the champion, B-Boy Edit. B-Boy Edit's my name. Boom. And I'm like, what? Everyone lift me off the ground. And I'm like, holy shit. This is what I'm saying. Like with the law of attraction, when you expect, when you want to win, that's when you're not going to win. Okay. When you kind of just like let it go downstream, that's when you're allowing it to win. And that's how like I want it. Like I learned that in life. I'm like, you know what? When I start, stop asking, that's when it's the universe going to like make you have it, make you manifest. Um, same thing with, you know, like your part, like having girlfriend or relationship, like when you least expect, you're going to meet that right person. Okay. Right. When you keep wanting, looking for it, you're not going to find it. Right. Same with business and, and opportunities. Um, they come at the least expected when you your vibrations in sync. It's like Abraham Hicks would, would say it. It's like channeling to, for example, you want to hear 94.5. If you turn 94.6, you're barely going to hear 194.5, you, or sometimes you won't even hear 94.5, right? Because the frequency is completely wrong. And that's what you got to find. you got to find exact frequency to match in order for you to manifest it. Um, and that's the hardest thing, because we don't know what, like, what the frequency is, but all we know is, all I know is now, it's like you have this internal vibration that makes you feel good. And it's hard to explain. You know, like when you go out drinking, you be in a, such a depressed mood. And then go, oh, that's low vibration right there. Yeah. I got to stop doing that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it takes two, three days to become normal again. But then when you go for a run, and this is why I start running because I'm like, holy shit, I'm feeling good. Start doing legs. So I'm like, holy shit, dopamine hit. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling happy. My vibrations are the highest. And suddenly you're manifesting a lot. So I did this. Um, 
experiment and I showed it to my friend. Bro, check this out. All right, I started doing, um, when you're feeling, you should try this too, right, if you have time. When you're feeling the best, you went for a run and everything just worked out well. You're having the best day of life or best morning. Buy a lot of ticket, fold it in half, put it aside, forget about it. All right? Okay. And then when you're feeling good again, I'm like, oh shit, I've, I've got a, a, a lot of ticket. When you scan it, and I guarantee you're gonna win. <laughs> I've won 17 out of 17. Nah. No. I keep <laughs> like some of my wallet because it's getting too thick. Oh my God, he's um, actually pulling out lottery tickets out of his wallet, no way. So like, that was, it's like like cheap wins, you know, 11 bucks, that was on Wednesday, 19th of January. Oh um, 28 bucks, November, October. <laughs> oh my God. It's not like, I've got about 15 more at home, right? But because my wallet's getting too thick. Um, Jesus. But and I just keep it as a reminder. Like, it's not like, and then I would do a trick. I'm like, all right, if I'm, it ha like, how many times do you see people winning this many? And I don't buy it every week. It's not like I buy it every week. Wow. I only buy it when I'm feeling good. So I, did, I told this to my one of my best friends, and she did it. I said, Eddie, three out of three. No <laughs> way. Oh it's crazy. God. But it's hard to describe. Like, you, it can be anything. It could be like, oh, my God, like, like this music just came on and, and the sun was like rising in the perfect moment. And suddenly I got goosebumps because the movie, got, everything was just so, so amazing. And I just can't explain it. Like, you know, you get these goosebumps that you can't um, describe, you can't even explain. That's when you buy it. And, but you forget about it. You don't expect to win. All right, let me get a ticket. Bump, thanks. Good to see you. Bump, put it aside. And then I've won 17 out of 17. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to tell you this now. That was hands down the best, one of the best stories anyone's ever told me in all my time of podcasting. And I think that was the most absolute phenomenal way to end it. Now, Edward, man, I am sorry, but that is literally all the time we have for today. Thanks for having me. I mean, I am pleasure. super grateful to have you on, brother. Man, I wish I could learn more about you. You know, <laughs> like this is like, I'm like, I'm being getting to like more of my health and fitness and training more. Um, because breaking the Olympics now, as you know, I'm like, I'm, I want to learn more. I'm start doing CrossFit now, running. I um, want to learn MMA, whatever. And you've got my number. Listen, if you ever want to have another conversation, even if you just want to talk over the phone, hit me up. Now, obviously, for everyone listening right now, uh, guys, go follow Edward. Uh, what's your – how can they find you, man? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Feel free to reach me out. Um, Edward underscore Maradona, M-A-R-A-D-O-N-A, -A -A, like Diego Maradona. Okay. Um, and, and how can, can they find your brand? Where, whereabouts is it specifically? So, and you can find us – uh, Cabernet Noir is located in Rain Square, right behind Louis Vuitton. We're in a luxury district no in way. Perth, so we're quite lucky to have that spot. Yeah. Um, but you're going to see a lot of badass th things coming out of there, and we're going to change the fashion industry. We're going to change the whole fashion world, really, for the better, and that's our goal. We're trying to make a difference, um, not just selling clothes, but we're trying to create a movement. Oh, man, I'm behind you. Honestly, man, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for coming in. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Hemcan Lads. Uh, use code LSP for all 10% off all product products. And of course, guys, if you always want to support the podcast, go on to www.buymeacoffee forward slash last set podcast. Edward, it's been an honor, man. Thank you so much. Right, Appreciate take it. Take care. And that is.